0: Yes, my name is Alec, and I'm bringing the the Word of God to us this morning. We're reading from First Corinthians chapter twelve, verses one to eleven, and this will appear on the screen behind me, and can also be found on page eleven hundred and fifty-one in the the Blue Bibles. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one But in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another... Faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines.
1: Wonderful to be uh, back with you again today. As you've been hearing, we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. In the 2021 census, uh, we discovered that there were lesser strands than ever before identifying with any particular religion. Uh, That hasn't surprised us. That's been a trend going on for a long time. But what was interesting was that there's been an increasing number of people identifying as being spiritual. Less religious, more spiritual. 56% of people indicated that they had a sense of uh, spirituality or spiritual attachment. But defining spirituality is like trying to nail jelly to a wall. It is incredibly difficult to do. So what I've done is I consulted with an expert on this topic, uh, Dr. Google. And uh, this is what Dr. Google had to tell me. I plugged in, what is the definition of spirituality? Okay, these are some of the answers that came back. Defining spirituality is not easy. I already knew that, actually. But uh, because there are so many different types of spirituality. Or uh, this one it can include a sense of connection to something bigger than ourselves or it typically involves a search for the meaning of life. Uh, One academic said he researched the term and came up with 27 different definitions of spirituality which had almost nothing in common. Okay? That's the diverse range of what we're dealing with. And, And I think when it comes to spirituality, it can be it can feel very subjective. You know, lots of different spiritualities. What's spiritual to you may be different to what's spiritual to me. You know, that's the language, that's the uh, the ocean that we swim in today in 21st century Australia. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Christians see themselves as spiritual. No question about that. We've reinforced that sort of idea the last couple of weeks. However... Spirituality for a Christian is not an internal search for meaning or purpose or a sense of spirituality. We think that spirituality is objective, okay? That is, God by his Holy Spirit brings us into a true relationship, a full relationship with himself through the atoning work of Christ. That is, that's a work that the Spirit convict you about the spirit who is a person of the trinity so when it comes to uh, understanding the work of the holy spirit i want to say to you that the bible is perspicuous uh, i've always wanted to use that word in a sermon okay perspicuous all right isn't that a wonderful word all it means is and i don't know why we use it instead of these other words but uh, it just means clear and able to be easily understood that's what perspicuous Uh, means. And that's what I want to say to you about the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible provides us with complete clarity about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. Okay? Perpiscuity. And yet, can I say over the last 50 years, there's been enormous debate among Christians on how the Holy Spirit is at work in our world, in our churches, and in the lives of believers. Uh, so just before I jumped up, someone said, ah, oh, you're preaching on 1 Corinthians 12 today. That's a really controversial passage, a really difficult passage. You know? And uh, there, there's a sense in which this is a, a passage that's been a lightning rod for a lot of different thoughts and ideas among Christian people. Spiritual gifts is what we're focusing on. And we're going to focus on that by jumping into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Really handy if you've got that open in front of you or the outline of the talk, uh, which you can pull up uh, on the site. And what I pray as we jump in, it's, it, is a, it, it is a passage, it's a topic that's uh, brought about di- diversity of views, although I take it the purpose of studying the Bible is so we get aligned in our thinking about who God is and what he does. And that's the work of the Spirit, isn't it? Bringing unity. So I'm going to pray that that's what happens. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that as we consider it together uh, you'll help us to understand what you're saying to us in the scriptures and then help us to think through how to apply it to our life together as your people. Uh, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I give some measure of spirituality or how spiritual you are. Uh, Paul the Apostle Makes it clear when he works through uh, this letter of 1 Corinthians that the number or type of gifts you have is no way to measure your spiritual maturity. Number of gifts doesn't equal spirituality. And that's clear from earlier in the letter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 7, uh, Paul says this, Therefore you do not, writing to a church, you do not lack any gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Uh, the Corinthian church was awash with gifts. They had gifts coming out of their ears, okay, stacks of gifts. But he says later on in chapter 3, verse 1, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. Do you get the point he's making? Stacks of gifts and incredibly immature Couldn't have any more gifts, but you really are not operating as if you're a godly group of believers. And what we find when we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that we're provided with a test for working out genuine spirituality. It's a test. And 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13, just outside the reading actually that we just had, listen to what it says. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we're all given the one spirit to drink. So, have you been baptised in the spirit? Right? How would you, how would you know? Uh, well, would you know it if you spoke in tongues or had some other supernatural manifestation of the spirit? Would that be the indication that you had the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul says... And this was clearly the debate in Corinth. That's not the way to work it out. Back in verse 3 of chapter 12, he says this, no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to ask you, do you think this was a problem in the church of Corinth? Now, look We've just read it. No one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. Do you think that there were people in the sort of equivalent of the Corinthian church meeting, that meeting away and someone jumped up and would say, Jesus, be cursed. And so, what, what's going on here? I think the point that Paul is making, is we're not just talking about words. You know, if I say, Jesus, be cursed then I'm obviously not a believer. If I say Jesus is Lord, I become a Christian. If I say Jesus is cursed, whoop, I'll slip back to being an non christian again. Not just words. Um, what we're talking about is the true work of the Holy Spirit or the great spiritual experience, the true baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's when you put your faith in Christ as Lord of the universe, as Lord of your life. We're serving him is the point of your ex- existence. You see, that's the true test of spirituality, whether the spirit has brought about that conviction in your life. Okay, that's, that's sort of ground, ground level understanding of it. But what about spiritual gifts? Okay, what about spiritual gifts? Because surely a mark of our spirituality will be if we see spiritual gifts in operation today. And aren't there some churches or believers who are more open to the work of the Holy Spirit and that's why you see certain spiritual gifts operating in particular ways, gifts like speaking in tongues or healing or other supernatural events. See, often I think that's the way we we tend to approach the subject. So let's take a closer look at what the Bible actually says in this passage. Let's try and work it out together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Notice how it starts. Now about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, it's interesting here. Uh, while the word for spirituality appears here in the original language, there is no word for gifts here. So The translators have supplied a word for us and they've done it because they think that's the way it falls, but it actually doesn't say that in the original, line no, I'm not trying to pull rank on you by knowing New Testament Greek, but I'm just trying to help us understand what is being said here. Literally, it says now about spirituals or spirituality. It's actually uh, not until you get to verse four that the word for gift appears. There it says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There's actually only one place in the whole of the New Testament where the phrase spiritual gift appears. Only one place, New Testament. It's actually Romans chapter 1, verse 11, where again the Apostle Paul says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. And when you read Romans chapter 1, it's clear he's talking about the gift of the gospel. That's what's going on. He wants to come and effectively to evangelise them and build them up in the gospel. Now, I'm not trying to play word games with you here. Uh, that's, that's not the purpose of what I'm doing. I just want to say that Christians over the last 20 or 30 years have used that phrase, spiritual gifts, an enormous amount, but the New Testament only uses it once and never in the way in which Christians generally have used it over the last 30 years. Isn't that interesting? Just the, the way in which we've adopted a certain way of approaching it. And to adopt that language of spiritual gifts, I think creates confusion about the source of the gifts that we have. So when you go to verses 7 to 11 of chapter 12, it talks about different gifts being made available by the Spirit. So wisdom, knowledge, healing, prophecy, tongues, right? They're linked to the Spirit of God. But if we went to a place like Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, uh, let me read to you what it says there. Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Or if we went to Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it speaks about the fact that we have different gifts according to the grace given us by God, the Father, and there actually in Romans 12, it's talking about the gift of prophecy. Interesting, isn't it? The Spirit, Jesus, the Father, each of them gives the gift of prophecy. All, th- all three of them in those different passages. So let me ask you is it a spiritual gift, or a Jesus gift, or a God the Father gift? Which, which one is it? You can see what the Corinthians were confused, can't you? You see, what they'd done was we, I mean, we know God is one, three persons, one God. We know you can't divide God up, uh, He is a unity. It's the same today as for the Corinthian church. If we focus on spiritual gifts as a distinctive Christian experience, then what we've done effectively is divide God up and therefore we divide up people. See, the test of a true spiritual experience is 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3, whether you're baptised into one body. You brought into that one body of believers. So let me just push it a little bit further. Is there a distinction between spiritual spiritual gifts and natural gifts? Because often I think it's it's framed that way. That is, um, there are spiritual gifts; they tend to be supernatural, like speaking in tongues, prophecy, miracles, and we go on like that. And then there are natural gifts, like you know, uh, keyboard playing or singing or playing on the cajon or you know uh, a number of other yeah it's more natural we you know we sort of think of them in in that way can I say I just don't think that's a biblical distinction Uh, that is who gives the ability to perform miracles or to speak in tongues well God does he gives someone the ability to play the keyboard or to play the cajon or well God does doesn't he like that That's the way in which... The, see, the test of spirituality is not the gifts you have or trying to identify which person of the Trinity might have given you particular gifts. What we discover here in 1 Corinthians 12 that the test of spirituality is the way in which you use those gifts. That's the point being made. So let me move on and talk about that for a moment. That, that is, what are the gifts for? What are the gifts for? Now, firstly, let me talk about what they're not for and then I'll talk about what they are for. Okay, what are, what are the gifts not for? God does not give you gifts to increase your confidence that you're a Christian. Does right? so God give people the gift of tongues or the ability to perform miracles so they have that sense of the extra touch of God in their life to assure them that they're true believers? No. That's not why you receive gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, you can speak in tongues and not be a believer, but if you have the Holy Spirit, you will believe Jesus is Lord. See, that's the true mark and confidence you have as a follower that you believe Jesus is Lord. That's work of the Spirit. We've already seen it, but gifts are not the mark of Christian maturity. Uh, The more gifts you have, the more mature you have, or the more publicly displayed your gifts are, then the more important you are as a Christian. No, that's clearly not the case. And in fact, it becomes obvious when you go further through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You get this sort of comical picture in verse 21. Listen, Listen to it. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the hand... Can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Okay, it's the picture of the body and the ludicrous nature of bits of the body trying to function without the other bits of the body. You know, it's like um, heads saying, you know, okay, we're taking over because we're so important. We do all the thinking, we do all the speaking, we do all the seeing, we do all the hearing, you know. Heads rule. Right? That's the sort of picture here. And you can imagine the hand saying, Okay, guys, try it. Try and eat breakfast without us and see how you go, you know, or the, the feet saying, yeah, do you want to go to the toilet or not? You know, like, you know, like the whole picture is sort of this ludicrous picture of the way in which the body sort of functions. Believers are part of a body. That's what it means to be in church. We don't read individuality into this space. And let me say, nor are gifts given to you so that you can use them. Now, that sounds a little counterintuitive. What are they given to you for except that you don't use them? Uh, Let me explain. There is a danger, and the danger is this, that I have a gift, and therefore I think I must use it. Can I say that That just reeks of the spirituality of our age? Individualistic, uh, self-fulfillment, authenticity, all about the gift I have that I must be allowed to use and, and I think that, that again is the risk of the culture that we're in and, and nor are gifts given to bolster our sense of self worth you know exercising gifts that God has given me and I, I just feel better about myself when I do it friends, it, it, esteem comes from your right standing with God because of what God has done for you in Christ not because of what you do. It's always about what God has done, not about what you have done. Gifts are not given for any of those purposes. So what are gifts given for? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Now, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Or in verse 12. Just as the body, though, one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Or verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. The issue is not what gifts you have, but whether you use them to build up the body. That's the measure of spirituality, not the gift, but the willingness to serve to build others up with your gifts. It's rare for me to come across anyone who says to me, Paul, I just want to let you know I have the spiritual gift of vacuuming. You know, just not very common. Um, Paul, I have the spiritual gift of sweeping up after church. Paul, I have the spiritual gift of giving out coffee. or And in a sense, it's because it's It's a wrongly framed way of understanding. The true test of spirituality is measured by the heart to serve. And it's actually when you think in context, it's the point that's being made in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a famous passage about love. It's not not loving to exercise your gifts, but it is loving to exercise your gifts to build up other people. That is the point when you flow through it. Okay. What I'm going to do is just try and um, grab a few of the ideas together and particularly talk about some of the issues that I think sometimes become snags for us as we we think about this passage. So here's the first one. Uh, Are all the gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 available today? Okay. So verses 8 to 11, you have gifts mentioned like Uh, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Now, uh, some say, look, I'm not sure exactly what all these gifts are, so we should just be careful. That's one way. Or another group say, look, there are always clusters of supernatural workings of God throughout the Bible. You look at the book of Exodus with amazing miracles, or you come to Pentecost and see extraordinary things happen. So it, it just, you see it happen from time to time. There's no particular reason to expect that to happen today. Or there are those who um, would call themselves cessationists. They believe that these gifts were given for a period in the first, you know, first century, then they've died out. And uh, particularly now we have the scriptures. Uh, given to us by God we have no need for things like prophecy and those sorts of things so there are all sorts of ways in which Christians say probably not, probably not, probably probably not uh, uh, can I say I don't think there's any definitive reason why God can't exercise his sovereign power today using those gifts that you read in 1 Corinthians 12, I, I don't think there's any reason why that can't be the case let me, though, give you three three sort of riders that go with that. OK. Uh, the first is, uh, here is a mark of maturity. We won't be preoccupied with the gift. Uh, I think there is a tendency in Christian circles when certain gifts are exercised, uh, for Christians to go, ooh, ah, you know, sort of ooh, ah, you know, like, like it's something particularly special. And there won't be any of that. I don't think in a Christian sort of context. We won't treat the person who has certain gifts differently from anyone else. Second thing is, the exercise of gifts among God's people is always subject to the eldership or leadership of the church. You discover that when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we're told there that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet And the elders weigh what is said by the prophet. If you go to Ephesians chapter 5, and we looked at that last week, there's spiritual maturity. Part of that is when you submit to others. That's a mark of the Spirit. And I take it that that's part of having gifts and being mature, where you only exercise your gifts in a way that's under authority within the context of God's people. Then the third thing is this. If you have a gift, the question you 'll always be asking is whether the gift builds up the body. So if the gift causes division and well you won 't exercise a will, you? why would you do that? Because it actually doesn 't build up the body. Let me move on to a second issue. Um, later on in the chapter, this wasn 't read, but I think it 's worthwhile touching on. Uh, it talks about eagerly desiring the greater gifts. Eagerly desiring the greater gifts. So what does that mean? Uh, Verse 31 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Is there a pecking order for gifts? Well, you go back to verse 28. First of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers. So, obviously, we should all desire to be prophets and teachers okay? because that's what builds up the body. Is that what we're being told here? Two thoughts. One is again it's a question of ranking. Uh, that is what builds up the body or God's people and that's what being referred to here that is teaching God's word builds up the body. I take it the nature of prophecy is a declaring the word of God as you discover in these chapters speaking in tongues might be personally edifying uh, but it's not especially designed for building up a body so it has a less value in the in the context of god's people and then when it says earnestly desire it it's talking about for the church we're such uh, an individual culture, aren't we? We sort of read the body, eagerly desire the higher gifts. Our natural instinct is, go, I should eagerly desire that I have this gift. But actually, what we should eagerly desire is that the body of God's people have the gifts it needs so that it can be built up. And we don't give a figure who's got the gift. So long as God gives the gifts for this body to be able to grow and be built up. Third thing uh, I want to talk about, just by way of concluding, is just to reinforce what the true measure of spirituality is that's on view here. All of us who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been baptised in the Spirit. Uh, That's that's all we're being told. And all of us who have the Spirit are called to serve and to build up the body of Christ. Uh, so I want to ask you whether that's a reality for you among God's people here at Golden Grove. The Bible college I uh, went to a number of years ago, I remember getting there and hearing this story uh, about a time when the college was going through a very lean time financially. And so what they had to do was, as a college, they had to sort of stop employing a range of um, additional people to do things around the college. You know, the cleaning, uh, the making of lunches, the repairs, a whole lot of stuff like that. And instead what they did was they asked the students if they would sign up to rosters so that all these tasks could be done when there wasn't enough money to pay them. And all the rosters were subscribed completely except for one. Uh, any guesses? Cleaning the toilets. That's exactly right. That was the one. They kept on having the appeal. No one would sign up for this roster to uh, to clean the toilets. But here's the thing. Uh, the toilets remained clean. It was a Bible college. There was the miracle of self-cleaning toilets that was obviously going on for a period. Well, that wasn't it. Okay. What What happened was one of the students turned up early for college one day, saw the light on in the toilet, went inside and discovered the principal on his knees, scrubbing the floor and cleaning out the loose. See, so the principal of the college. And friends, I think that is the way in which we're being asked to think. Those who have the spirit of God want to build up the body. And so we'll, we'll do anything to do that, won't we? We'll be willing to tackle any task engage in any way so that my brothers and sisters might be grown into Christ and so more people might come into the kingdom. What does it mean to be spiritual? That's what it means to be spiritual. If you have the spirit you believe Jesus is Lord, you serve him as Lord and you build up his people that he's entrusted to you in whatever way you can, okay? I'm going to pray that we'll be that sort of church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you do actually speak to us incredibly clearly in your word. And Father, we thank you that um, while while there are issues to work through in this sort of passage, uh, the essential message just rises up and is so clear. Uh, You have poured out your spirit so that we might put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and know the intimacy of relationship with you through him. Father, we thank you that you're at work in us as a community of your people, so that we might glorify your name. And Father, we do ask that you give us that heart to serve with whatever you entrust to us and with whatever opportunities and needs there are in this community. Father, we pray you'll grasp to maturity as a body We're service. What can I do? How can I serve? Are the questions we keep on asking as we seek to honor you and to build up one another. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.